0: Before we start today, I have a quick favor to ask of you. Please head over to your podcast app and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and if that isn't enough, seeing your wonderful comments always makes me happy. Thanks. This is Beta Cell, a show about people living with type 1 diabetes. I'm Craig Stubing. When you're first diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, exercise is scary. The biggest reason, of course, is that you're worried you'll pass out from a low blood sugar in the middle of a run, bike ride, or workout. Then once you're comfortable carrying a half dozen bags of fruit snacks in your shorts, you now have more mental capacity for other worries. That your blood sugar will make you stop early, that you'll sweat off your pump or CGM, that your blood sugar will go high when you finish, that you'll go low at night, and on and on. A few years after I started running, despite all these fears before, during, and after my runs, I found that it was actually while I was running that I ended up thinking about diabetes the least. The runner's high replaced caring about my blood sugar highs. I was living in the joy of running and not worrying about my blood sugars at all. This shift has happened to a lot of people with type 1 diabetes that I've met, and Jordan's no different. Since he was diagnosed with type 1 at 17 years old, he's kept pushing himself more and more, not because of diabetes, but because he wants to see how far he can go despite diabetes. He's doing things he loves doing and not letting the fears that come with exercising with type 1 get in his way.
1: I had stopped playing hockey, and then I started again my senior year after I got diagnosed. I mean, my diagnosis actually kind of brought me back into it, if I'm honest. Into hockey? Yeah. Yeah. I actually played um for University of New Mexico out oh, here. We have a, a team at the school that's not really known about, but yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to say I played at the college level.
0: Why do you think your diagnosis
1: brought you back to that? I had thought to myself that I had to like motivate myself to get better blood sugars and like the only way to do that. Would be to like put myself in a situation where like my performance was based off of my numbers. So I figured if I went and played hockey competitively, I'd be motivated myself to control my blood sugars better, based on the fact that like better control would make me a better hockey player, um, and that I couldn't play hockey if I was like out of control.
0: So you almost found sports to get control of diabetes.
1: Yeah. Well, so that's like originally why I went back, but. Then I found it was like a lot harder because with hockey, like the adrenaline just makes your sugars go up to like four hundred at game time and like it was like I was even more out of control then than I was before. Pretty new to the disease
0: to start doing something so crazy really as hockey.
1: Because I was seventeen, I was like, this is like or I turned eighteen. I was like, it's my responsibility. Um, so I need to figure stuff out. So I think like two weeks or three weeks after being diagnosed, my uncle was, um, driving to Florida and I actually like hopped in the car with him and just drove just to kind of like test myself, but like get away from like the comfort zone and just realize like you have to just jump into like doing all the things right away. You know, you can't like really worry about it. So that was like my mentality from the start is like, I'm going to do this even cycling and I was in the hospital like maybe eight hours before I knew about Team Type One. Um now Team Nova Norris. They were called Team Type One at the time. Like um uh, one of my uncles like had been following them, heard about them at a race, and like sent my dad their website. And so I think right away I had that mentality of like, yeah, let's do this.
0: Within that eight hours, you didn't never felt like type one was gonna hold you back?
1: Yeah, I never I never had that moment. It wasn't really until like this bike beyond trip that I realized how many people are told that they're going to be limited. Like I was right away, like, this is my goal to get on this team, like had motivation. Like that same day I was in there, I was like, cool, like, let's get after it.
0: Did you ever get pushback from doctors or family members or anyone like that, that maybe you shouldn't do something so crazy? Like a little bit of exercise is okay. Like go for like a walk you know, for 30 minutes, but maybe don't bike across the country?
1: No, I think, um, I like to say that part of the reason I think that I can is because I was never told I can't. So like, I think I can do like anything because nobody's ever told me like, you can't do something.
0: The longer you've had type one, do you think you do crazier and crazier things because I don't know, you're just chasing the next biggest thrill?
1: Unfortunately, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I have really mixed feelings about the whole bike beyond experience. But one thing that it's left me with is like this craving for, for something more. So I have like a list of things right now that I want to do. Like that's kind of like my next big project is just doing these, these crazy things. Like one thing I want to do now is ride across the country unsupported in half the time that we did it. So I want to do it in 35 days unsupported um, because I felt like it was too easy. I really like that point of failure. Like I want to find that point. It's weird. Like if I, if I can do it, I feel like it's easy. And if I can't do it, like if I fail, then I'm motivated to do it. You want the challenge. Yeah. And I, I feel like saying I rode across the country, I almost have like an asterisk next to like coming as a cyclist before. Like it was, it was easier for me. It wasn't, hard right like we hit the mountains and I'm having fun like there there wasn't any suffering so you like the suffering yeah you're just a masochist when it comes to bike riding I am but I think that's like that's what I crave now is more challenges like that like I'd love to do um, some like crazy hiking challenges I'd like to do like a lot more like physical challenges and mental challenges I can tell you my my future list I can yeah. have a few things on there I started going to like a ninja gym, you know, like American Ninja Warrior. And I competed and just got like destroyed. It was awesome. And like now I'm motivated to like actually be competitive at that. Um, So I want to keep working towards that. I want to do the Navy SEAL PT test um, at optimal standards. But I want to do that because it's like we're not allowed to go into the Navy, right? That's something that I've been told I can't do. And so I just wanted to complete that just to like say I can do it and say that like I'm still physically able to like do the standards even though, you know, we're not allowed to to serve. It's the type one that's stopping you from doing it, not yourself. Right. And so, yeah, I really want to just like kind of prove that. Um, someone told me uh, I should do the Barkley marathons. It's a hundred mile hike through like Tennessee. Oftentimes there's no finishers. Yeah, there's only 18 people that are finished. So I'd like to do that and and be the first uh, type one finisher. I'll probably do a marathon in the next couple of years. Yeah, there's just just a lot on my list.
0: Um, When you were in college, how was being on a collegiate team with type one? What kind of feedback or relationship that you have with your coaches and your trainers? Were they
1: concerned? Not really. I mean... Not even everyone on the team knew I had type one and I didn't bring it up. Intentionally? Not really. I mean, I told the coach, I was like, yo, like if I'm, if I'm ever just leaving an exercise, like to drink a juice box, like that's why. And did it ever
0: become an issue while you were playing? Did you ever go low and have to leave a game or
1: anything like that? No. Um, like I said, the adrenaline makes you shoot so high. There's very few times I went low. Um, I always had a Gatorade on the ice. It was actually like, it's really hard to manage during a game because like at that level, I didn't, I never knew how much playing time I was going to get, like how much I was going to be in the game. Um, and then I also didn't know the skill level or the intensity of the game of the opponent we were playing always. So one week, you know, it could be a really hard game. I could get a lot of playing time. My adrenaline could go up, but all the playing time could like balance that out. And then another game I could have like no adrenaline because we we're just whooping up on them there's just a lot of difference but it never really got in the way. Did you ever feel like
0: going high from the adrenaline impacted your performance?
1: Definitely. Um there were times I remember like my vision getting blurry cuz like I was like in the 400s and I was like shit like I can't see out here. But at the same time it's going so fast that everything's like a blur anyway that doesn't really like affect you too much like hockey's a really fast-paced game so you're only like Really looking at big shapes most of the time you're not looking at details right like if somebody's coming at you, you're not really looking at the at the threading on their jersey, you just see the body coming at you and you know like, hey, like I should probably move or I'm gonna get hit.
0: How much time do you think when you're not on the ice you were thinking about the game and how much were you thinking about your blood sugar?
1: earlier, I mentioned the reason that i first the reason that I first wanted to go into uh Hockey was to get my blood sugars better. The reason I kept playing was because when I got on the ice, I forgot about it.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's that's what I love about about cycling and about hockey is that when I get on that zone, then nothing else matters. Like when I step on the ice for a game, nothing matters. You know, like do I have homework tonight? Like that doesn't matter. Like your personal relationships—they don't matter. You leave all that behind. And for me, I left diabetes behind too. I said like. I'm out here to play hockey and that's it. And, and that mental clarity is just like, it's like my therapy.
0: And the, the irony almost is that the time when your blood sugars would fluctuate the most and you would be at the most at risk is when you're doing something like long distance biking, you know, playing a sport, something like that. So it's like when, when in theory you think that you should be paying the most attention to it is the only time that you can really forget about it.
1: Yeah. So you kind of have to you have to practice into that because you have to be prepared for it if you're gonna forget about it. And so like with cycling and hockey, like if I'm out of practice or whatever, like i I learn like what are my blood sugars going to do? That way like I just have my plan in place and then like as long as it's calculated right, like, and I don't think about it, the end result's fine. So how much of
0: your training, do you think was was not necessarily physical training for all these these things you do, but really just training your body and training your mind to know how to manage your blood sugars without having to really think about it?
1: A hundred percent. I would say a hundred percent. A common thing people say to the Bike Beyond team is that they could never do it. They're like, I can't ride a bike one mile how did you ride 4,000? And it's, it's all mental. It's a hundred percent mental. Like if you think you can do it, like you can do it. You just get on a bike and you pedal and you pedal and you pedal and then you're done. Like that's all it is. And you think it'd be a physical challenge, but it's really not, you know, we weren't racing. You just got on a bike and you rode. And I think a lot of people think that it is this big physical challenge, but I mean, if you're given all day to ride 70 miles, you could do it. It's going to be hard at first, but once you get past that mental block, like you can do it. You know, you perform
0: how you train and that's mental as well as physical.
1: Yeah. I, I had a hard time during the first week of Bike Beyond because my training was actually more intense here. Uh, one, because I was at a higher elevation, but two, I was going pushing myself a lot harder, going a lot faster. Trying to get in shape in the first week, we were doing these easy rides through cities. We were stopping a lot. That I was actually really high because I was doing my same my same maintenance that I had I had practiced with, but I wasn't working as hard. So yeah, like you you have to learn it and plan it, but sometimes like the situations aren't the same. And you're on a pump, I think you said. Yeah, right.
0: and are you on a CGM as well?
1: No, so I'm the only rider that didn't wear a CGM during the summer on the Bike Beyond team. Have you ever had a CGM? Yeah. So I wore the Dexcom G4, wore it for about a month, two months, didn't like it.
0: Can I ask what you didn't like about it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) I've had this conversation a lot because most people who have a Dexcom, they love it. I really, really just have like this grudge against CGMs and CGM technology because I found that that having the numbers it's not good mentally it made me think about it too much i was too into it i think that that having the numbers and constantly looking at them actually made diabetes too much of my life that i wasn't comfortable with also i stopped paying attention to how my body felt and i think that since i got off of it like the value of how much i pay attention to my body has just like increased exponentially like i'm way more aware of how i'm feeling and where i'm at just based off like really weird symptoms and like intuitions that I have. So what was it like
0: on uh, bike beyond being the only person without a CGM?
1: Did everyone think you were crazy? Everyone just wanted to know why I hated Dexcom so much. Um, but, but one thing that was really cool is after a few weeks of riding, I realized that it was an opportunity if everyone was riding it on a on a Dexcom and everyone had pumps or whatever, everyone had the best technology, then like what do I say to those kids, those people who are watching it who can't afford it? So yeah, I realized that it was an opportunity for me to kind of like share this message that there's no excuses, right? Like that's my big thing is like type 1 diabetes is not an excuse. It should not limit you in any way. And so if we all say, yeah, we rode across the country and we all had CGMs, what, what does someone who doesn't have a CGM say? They, they can use that as an excuse, right? And so I, I found myself a couple weeks into the ride going, like, now anyone who, who doesn't have access to this technology doesn't have a reason to not follow their dreams as well, right? I did this whole ride with that one. Like, you don't have to have the best technology to, to live your life.
0: BetaCell is produced, recorded, and edited by me, Craig Steubing, and our theme music is by Purple Glitter. If you love listening to Beta Cell and are curious how you can get even more of it to listen to, you can find just that by joining the Beta Cell Fan Club. After you join, you'll get tons of bonus clips, outtakes, extra never-before-heard content, as well as access to our fan club-only show, Out of Range After Dark. Visit BetaCellPodcast.com for more info. I'm Craig Stubing, and this is BetaCell. This episode of Out of Range is brought to you by Companion Medical, the makers of the InPen Smart Insulin Pen. I haven't used the InPen myself, so I called on my friend Ella to get her opinion.
1: I love how InPen keeps track of my insulin doses. It logs what time I take my insulin, how many units I take, And then it also keeps track of how much insulin I have left on board. Uh, It's really made my diabetes management so much easier.
0: For more info, visit companionmedical.com. All right, I get it. You wanted to leave a review of the podcast, but didn't want to pause the episode to do it. Well, now we're actually at the end of the episode and there's nothing else exciting that you can miss. Just open up the podcast app that you're using right now and leave a quick review. Thanks again.